Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Live from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the Total Education Show, the talk shop for teachers, parents, and administrators. Here's your host of the show, Neil Haley, the Total Tutor. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Total Celebrity Show. You can check me out on Twitter, at TotalTutor, and also NeilHaley.com. And uh, I'm really excited about my two guests on the line. So I'm excited to welcome the program from Duck Dynasty, Corey Robertson and Chris Howard, authors of Happy, Happy, Happy Stories for Kids. Corey and Chris, how are you? Hey, Neil. Great. Thanks for having us. Oh, fantastic. I guess looking back and then talking to them and interviewing them and asking them specific questions, say, hey, I did something something pretty good. Uh, I I was really able to help them in so many ways when you hear about making them happy. Because I I bet you the stories, Chris, not always are the happiest stories, yet they they made them happy based on looking back and laughing about it, right? Well, absolutely. And our uh, our people ask us, do, do other people, do our kids mind us writing stories about them? And they really don't. They've been on TV now for five years, so they're kind of used to their lives being out there. In fact, they wanted to they wanted to know, did some of their stories make the book, you know, some of the things that they've done. And uh, it is, it's great fun. Uh, we wrote one story about uh, the, the girls who all have a playhouse down at, at Pepaw Phil and Memo Hayes, and they call it Lickety Split. And it was, I didn't know all the details, and so I had to interview the girls and say, well, tell me exactly what, what, did, the, what did the curtains look like? What, what happened when you did this, you know, and that? And um, so it was really fun just to go back and relive those moments with them because they are getting older now. Absolutely. And Corey, I think that I, when I look back at some of the fun things so far we've done with our kids, it's the littlest things. It's just basically being a family and, and, and experiencing and, and creating. And it's, it's, it's a noisy life, too, especially when they're young. Right, Corey? That is so true. Yeah, it's um, it's never boring around here, for sure. But that's the fun part about it. And it is, you know, now in today's day and age, when everybody's busy, everybody's working hard, and you got sports and school activities, and parents have jobs and phones that you can never get away from your um, your email or your um, or the, your phone call away from the office. It is important to kind of take that time and and just be intentional about it. And that's what we talked about. Um, I have another book called Strong and Kind. It's really about intention, being intentional about um, instilling the values and the character traits you want to see in your kids. And that's really what this book is about too. It's just being intentional about it and taking the time and and laughing together too. One of the things, one of the values that we we say is important in our family is to not take yourself too seriously. To be able to laugh at yourself and look at your successes and your failures, um, both with joy to to be like, oh, we can laugh about the things that we screwed up on and learn the lesson from it and move on. Now, Chris, did you ask Corey to put any uh, stories about her in this, (laughs) in in the book? About her childhood? Yeah, yeah, her childhood. Uh, Well, we we don't have any stories from her childhood, but we do have one from Willie's in the book. And so... One thing we say about the the books is we're kind of like like uh, Uncle Sai. They're ninety five percent true. There's you know we maybe take a little liberty to 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 make it work out in a different way or it, and well the endings are always the same. But you know you take a little bit of writer's freedom in it, so to speak. But there is a story of a young Willie wanting to take um, to play a musical instrument. So we, we have a little bit of that, a little bit, I, I think, did we include one about the guy? There's one about Jet being the baby of the family. Brian. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we yeah. did. Oh, wow. So th- that's great. And did you enjoy w- working together writing the book, Corey, you and Chris? Did you enjoy we that? We love working together. Um, we actually live next door to my parents, and um, so that'll show you what our relationship is like. We um, built a house right next door to my parents, and our neighborhood is actually full of family. We've got all Willie's brothers in this neighborhood, and a lot of my family, my grandmother and aunt and uncle, and um, so there's always cousins around to play with, but Mom and I love working together, and we do life together on a daily basis, and um 
you know, we're just really, really thankful to get to do that. When, Kristen, you talk about you being an educator as well, you wanted these to be life lessons as well for kids. When the stories that really will help parents and also kids figure out that sometimes happiness is different than they experience what television says, right, Chris? Sometimes it's not about, it's not, it's not, go ahead, sorry. That's right. And I think that does come from my education background. Corey kind of teases me that I can turn anything into a life lesson. But I think when you have that responsibility, and you talk to educators all the time, when you have that responsibility of imparting wisdoms and truths on children, you you do take that seriously. And you always look for little life lessons that you can teach. Um, I teach my, my own kids, my own grandkids, and any kids who happen to be around me, they're going to get a little life lesson and whatever's going on that day. Now, Corey, what are you guys doing uh, regarding uh, book signings, things like that once the book is released? Are you guys going to be traveling the country to promote the book or what are the what, um, what are you looking the, to do yeah yeah the book comes out february 21st and i'm really not sure what we what we've got i'm i'm we are like our life seems to be so busy that it's like we take it day by day it's like, okay that's two weeks from now we'll figure that out when the time comes but, um i don't i don't think we have any book signings right now um on the on the calendar but um, we might, we it, might do some. It comes when, once, once the book finally is released, and that makes you guys really, really excited. And I guarantee, once everyone that all of your fans find out for sure, because again, like I said, that when this releases, it's it's a day before uh, the release of the book. So that's it's so great that you guys were able to take the time. Now, Chris, uh, what do you think was uh, your favorite part of the book? Favorite uh, story? Do you have a favorite story to share? Um, I, one of my favorite stories because our family loves to go skiing. That's just something we've done ever since our kids were little. I think Corey started skiing when she was four or five, and um, we've been we ski together every, at least every other year. We'd lo- would love to do it every year, but now we're kind of on the every other year rotation. But we have I tell a story about where we let Bella, who was the youngest of our skiers at that time, I think she was about eight. She wanted to lead us back to our condo, and she took a wrong turn, and I followed her, and everybody else went the right way, but I knew that I had to follow her. I couldn't leave her on her own, and we just went over a trail and down on a roadway to take our skis off and walk and hike and it was it was a tough thing but we I love that journey that we had together it, you know sometimes it's those tough journeys that make you get closer to your kids or your friends or yes. whoever and so Bella and I share that journey and it's such a great lesson and and to tell other kids on um, be careful who you follow and then if you are the leader be careful where you're going all right well Corey tell us social media wise how we can check out but both you and Chris and we can purchase the book and all find our bookstores, Amazon, all those different places, but best place we can find info on you, Corey and Chris. Good. Okay. Well, there is a website, happy, happy, happy com, And it'll tell you a little bit more about the book, but yeah, you can find the book anywhere and you can follow us. I'm boss hogs wife and, um, on Instagram and Twitter and just Corey Robertson on Facebook and, Mom, you want to tell your um, your handles so they can follow you? Mine is just Chris Howard, and it's spelled C-H-R-Y-S, Chris Howard, on Instagram and on Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, and so, yeah, follow along. We, we love to share um, pictures and stories from our life through those mediums as well. And, um, you know, we'll make sure and, and keep everybody updated on where the book is and how you Fantastic. can find it. Well, I love uh, catching up with the Robertsons. I've uh, talked to Sadie. I've talked to Willie. I've talked to you twice, Corey, and now Chris. It's a, it's becoming a family affair, but I love the values, what you guys bring. And I will miss Duck Dynasty, but I know we're not going to hear the end of you guys after the show's over. I know there's big things coming for both of you. So best of luck, and thanks again for calling. Thanks so much, Neil. I appreciate that. Thank take, you. Take care, guys. Okay, bye-bye. You're listening to Total bye-bye. Celebrity Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Total Celebrity Show. You can check me out on Twitter at TotalTutor and also NeilHaley.com. I'm excited to welcome the program Akbar Baja Biamila. Akbar, thanks for calling, and I'm so excited to chat with you. What an exciting 2016 season, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, 2016 was big. Um, you know, we saw the explosion and the emergence of uh, new stars uh, come aboard. Um, you know, we had Najee. Uh, Richardson, who just, I mean, electrified um, a, a lot of us because of, you know, just his his, his story, his build, his success. Um, yeah, we had Jesse Graff, who's amazing uh, this year. 
who really just took her her game to a whole another level. Megan Martin brought brought the uh, the punch. And uh, so this year, you know, season nine is around the corner. We're, we're looking to expand on that, uh, go even bigger, uh, come up with some more crazy obstacles to, to push and test these athletes. But before we do that, you know, just like we have the NBA getting ready to go on their all-star break, we've got our all-star break. Uh, but I, I, would, I, I would bet anyone that this all-star break is better than any of the other all-star uh, and even prove it, the NFL for the Pro Bowl. Uh, they got away, got rid of the skills challenge for a very long time, and they actually reached out to American Ninja Warrior. Can you imagine the NFL uh, is a big yeah. fan of American Ninja Warrior, and they reached out to them to create their new skills challenge that they uh, showed this year at the Pro Bowl. Uh, all the guys, I was talking to Odell Beckham Jr., he was in love with it. Um, and so now we bring ours uh, back this season. Last year we got a chance to select our dream team. Uh, I won, so I'm you know I'm putting it out there. I won last year and this year. Uh, same thing probably is going to happen again. Uh, I get a chance to get my dream team, which is Neil Crazy Craver, Grant McCartney, and Megan Martin, who I just talked about before, and oh, yeah. we get to compete against our team. So Matt will pick his, Christine Leahy will pick hers, and uh, we'll see who's going to get who who's going to be the best general manager. Uh, and then the second half of the show coming up this Monday is I think the one that was trending on Twitter last year. People are like, oh, my, I've never seen anything like this. We take some of the crazy obstacles that's never been seen, that's been seen uh, iconic obstacles on American Ninja Warrior, and we supersize it. The Warp Wall, which is traditionally 14 feet on our show, gets supersized last year to 19 feet, and it gets however high. If you can go higher than that, we'll keep going. So we start at 14, and we just keep building it. And whoever falls out is eliminated. So last year we had some go out at 15 or 16 feet. Um, we had Flip Rodriguez make it to 19. The salmon ladder, which everyone loves the salmon ladder, traditionally just five rungs. We get it all the way up to 40 rungs. So that's eight times the size oh that you see on the traditional. And we take some of the other obstacles and we expand it and we make longer versions. And so you see these athletes really get a chance to kind of showcase their skill set, what makes them the, like the strong ones and how hard, how long can you climb and how far can you mache. And, you know, so it's pretty, it's pretty neat to see this. I think people will be going to be talking about this one. And I think it's going to be a breath of fresh air from a lot of the stuff that, you know, the climate of this culture now, a lot of negative politics, a lot of negativity on TV. So you get a, a break to watch some, uh, some real athletes with some amazing stories uh, compete and show off. I remember the last time we talked about getting we gotta get test you out, out there too, Neil. We, 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 we got to get you out on the court. Yeah, did you get to te- you're going to test out this one just to play around <laughs> when you see it? You say, am I going to test it out? Yeah. Yeah, yeah if I yes, test it out, I'm going to break like I did uh, one of the other competitors. Uh, I, br- I tested out their course, uh, their salmon ladder, and I ended up breaking it. you got to remember, I'm 250 pounds. Um, so I don't want to be breaking anybody's course, and I definitely want to be breaking ours because that costs a lot of money. <laughs> you don't want to. They don't want. You don't want it to, to find you or take it out of your paycheck. <laughs> they did that enough right, times. No, 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 no. I, yeah, I've got, yeah, I've got four kids. I need to take them to be this expensive college. <laughs> oh, fantastic! You have four. I have five. So we know how crazy our lives are. Aren't we? There, it's, 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 yeah. Let's keep let, let's keep that on a low because my wife is trying to put pressure me to get number five, and I'm like, ah, I think four's enough. We're, we're we're gonna root for five, okay? And I'll root for six, and I'll root for six <laughs> for myself. We'll be in your same boat, huh? <laughs> yeah, we, we'll be in crazy land for sure. And and I guess again, and, and you can't wait to the new season, right? In 2017 as well. That's exciting for you as well. Be just yeah. looking forward. Yeah. To the next yeah. Month. Uh, yeah, I really am looking forward to it. Um, you know, uh, I start my prep this week um, and just start going through the videos. And this is where I really take my time. I got to get out the house because, uh, you know, the kids will, you know, they won't let you watch your videos. And what I really do is try to get to know I mean, I can't meet, you know, the hundreds of thousands of people who are submitting videos, but the ones that we select, um, we'll get up to over a thousand videos. And I sit there and I watch every single one of them because – I genuinely want to be a fan of the people who are competing. I want to know their story. I want to get to know them. And I think the only way to really do them uh, service is to be able to watch their videos and get to kind of get a beat on who they are. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from the fact that, you know, I, was, um, I wasn't a blue chipper. 
uh, growing up, I was one of those guys who was just a blue-collar worker, had to kind of work his way through, kind of, you know, fight for everything I got, for all the opportunities that I got to make it to college, get a scholarship, to, to make it to the NFL. I had to work for it. Um, and, and, look, everybody wants to be recognized, and I operate at that premise. And so we know that some athletes will get more recognition than the others. So I want to make sure I do my due for every single competitor who comes on our show. I want to make sure I know their story so I can best, um, you know, tell that during their run. Well, you're a prepare. You really prepare yourself, and that's fantastic. And, and I know about getting out of the house. When they're there, forget it. I'm gone. I'm going somewhere else. So <laughs> if I'm going to get some. <laughs> yeah. Thank goodness for Starbucks. I may not like their burnt coffee, but uh, I do like the fact that you can get out and just kind of zone out. <laughs> exactly. Or our local library. Okay, best place we can find information on you. Everyone needs to tune in Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern to 10 p.m. Eastern. The all-star special featuring super-sized obstacles and nail-biting Team Mac versus Team Akbar versus Team Christine. And where can we find information on you, Akbar? Where can we go? Well, you can go to uh, Akbar, A-K-B-A-R underscore G-B-A-J-A. Uh, that's on uh, every platform. Uh, I'm on Snapchat, even though I'm still learning how to do it. Uh, so, yeah, uh, find me there. And on Facebook, just Akbar Baja, G-B-A-J-A, um, one word. Um, on Facebook. All right, Akbar. Thanks for calling, man. Best of luck. And I'll think of you now four, and I hope you can get five. Okay, man? Take care. <laughs> All right. Watch your mouth. All right. <laughs> See you, man. Take care. See you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Total right. Celebrity Show. We'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Total Celebrity Show. You can check me out on Twitter at TotalTutor and NeilHaley.com and all those exciting places. Lisa Gibbons. Lisa, thanks for coming on the show, and how are you? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. So what's going on also with your charity? Give us some updates on what's happening with the foundation and some of the other things you're doing. Oh, my gosh, we're doing so great. We're doing these drum circles. We've got our Warriors of Wellness. Um, We're doing a big Dare to Care fair coming up. Uh, uh, We've got creative expressions. We're doing a big art therapy thing. So we're just so blessed to be at... uh, you know, able to offer caregivers so many programs that are um, that are allowing them really outlets to grow and offer so much community support. I just feel like when we're able to connect with each other, we recognize that we're stronger when we share our vulnerabilities. And so for us, um, it's all about just kind of reaching out and saying, you know, hey, you too. And when we kind of see that we're we're so much more alike than we are different and uh, we're really better when we're able to just lift each other. And, and that's what we do as part of Lisa's Care Connection. So we're at lisascareconnection.org. Uh, drop in, say hey, follow us, and, and, and be part of it. It's, it's really a lovely community. And, and also, um, any news, uh, any other projects to report on as well? Lisa, especially, I guess, part of the the new Celebrity Apprentice, you were on. You um, have some feedback about what happened with the winner and anything else going on for you. Well, I just, I you know, I had a great time being one of the consultants on this season with uh, Governor Schwarzenegger, and um, that was really fun to be on the other side of the table. <laughs> yes. So much easier than being one of the contestants that thinks he's going to get fired. I was um, I was really impressed with this year's winner. I love Matt Eisman. I think he was an outstanding choice. And uh, and he was so passionate for the Arthritis Foundation because he, he, he has arthritis, and that, I think, was his, his burning desire, which is always an indicator of, I think, who's who's going to get there. He, he's just a great guy. So I was very happy about that. Awesome, and we can pick pick up your latest book as well, Lisa. Right on Amazon and all uh, finer bookstores for sure. And where we can find more information on you, where's the best place we can go? Fierce Optimism. My book is out on paperback now, and the audio version of the book is available as well. And uh, you can catch up with everything going on with me at lisagibbons dot com. So I would I would love that. And um, if anybody would want to be uh, Kept up to date. You can always find me on Instagram at Lisa Gibbons, and that'd be really fun to say hey. All right. Well, thanks again, Lisa, for calling. Best of luck with all your ventures, and you're doing some tremendous work. Keep up that great work, okay? Uh, thanks so much. It's good to talk to you. Take care. Bye bye. You're listening to the Total Celebrity Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. 
Hi, everyone, and welcome to Total Celebrity Show. You can check me out on Twitter at TotalTitterAndNeilHaley.com. And again, always love working with Triumph Books. I'm excited to welcome the program author of 100 Things Iowa Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die, Rick Brown. Rick, thanks for calling. How are you? Good, Neil. How are you? Fantastic, Rick. How crazy is uh, our Iowa sports in the state for Hawkeye sports? Well, well, they're crazy. I mean, a very, very passionate fan base. Sometimes I think too passionate, but that's another story. The the thing that's unique about Iowa, it's a small population state, but uh, we also have a Big 12 school in Iowa State. So you have a a Big 10 and a Big 12 school in a small state. It uh, creates a lot of uh, animosity, rivalry, friendship, and uh, dislike. (laughs) So Hayden Fry, that I'm sure yep. he's in the book. And see, I was looking yep. at you know, I once you mention names, it starts hitting. I, I'm a, a definite fan of Hayden Fry, and so you talked about how he changed the tradition of Iowa football in many ways, didn't he? He really did. He, uh, you know, the first his first season, Iowa had an unbelievable schedule. They played Nebraska. They played Nebraska at home at Oklahoma. And uh, it was just a, a brutal schedule. And uh, he, Fry said, uh, he, they played a game in Oklahoma. They lost twenty-one to six, and people were patting the players on the back like they'd won, you know, a big game. <laughs> he was furious. He, he, he said, "If I see one guy smile on the bus going to the airport, I'm going to punch him in the mouth." Well, you, oh my gosh, yeah. hard, hard to say that now. You couldn't say that now and get away with it. But uh, his, his point was, I'm not going to take losing. We don't, we don't take losing. We're going to, we got to learn to win. And that was his whole uh, modus operandi as he took over that program. Yeah, uh, it, it's definitely it's something uh, in, in in a way uh, for sure. Uh, the, the 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 kind of thing is he's going to he's going to expect winning. And so, what were their best seasons under Hayden Fry, in your opinion? Because again, I think that uh, again, Ference has brought them back to relevance in the last couple of years, and we'll talk about that for sure. But what would you say uh, best years for Hayden were as a coach? Well, I would say uh, the most remarkable year was uh, his uh, third year, eighty-two season. Uh, Iowa, Iowa led losing seasons his first two years, so that made the streak of non-winning seasons at 19. Well, they came and got a junior college quarterback from uh, California named Gordy Bohannon, whose son, by the way, is a freshman, starting freshman point guard on the Hawkeye basketball team this year. But uh, Bohannon came in, he had some other good players, and uh, they stunned the world. They, uh, they won a share of the Big Ten title. And went to the Rose Bowl after 19 straight non-winning season. That that is uh, started the year by beating Nebraska, and they also knocked off UCLA at home. Uh, and those were the uh, first two first two years that Kirk Ferentz was on board as the offensive line coach at Iowa. My so gosh. he had a taste of that. And that, they, like I said, they went to the Rose Bowl. Jack Robinson and Don James in Washington took care of him 28 zip. But uh, it was it was a remarkable journey, and it was a season that people will. Not soon forget the other great season was '85 when Chuck Long was a quarterback, was a Heisman runner up that year, and uh, they got to the Rose Bowl again. were favored to win, but uh, Ronnie Harmon fumbled four times, and <laughs> Iowa got beat by UCLA 45-28. So, but those, those to me are the two great seasons under Hayden Fry. And then we talk about Chuck Long, uh, and that's see those are the the names I remember based on national recognition. He uh, definitely uh, Heisman runner-up. So that really that team under Chuck Long was huge, wasn't it? it was just a really yeah, it really was yeah. What do you think made Chuck Long so special as a quarterback, especially in college? Mm-hmm. Uh, he was he was a he was a cerebral quarterback. He uh, he really made mistakes and very accurate. I know he, he had a had school records. I think he still does for consecutive completions in a game of 16 and uh, threw for a lot of yards. Hayden's offense was pretty wide open. He, he had Chuck that year had some tremendous receivers. He had possession receivers like Bill Happel and deeper threats like Scott Helverson, who's now an NFL official, by the way. And, and uh, he, he just had a good running, good running game. It just all meshed. And Chuck was a great leader. He, uh, he kept everything rolling and had a good feel wasn't afraid to question Fry when Fry made a call. There was a famous uh, the 85 season Iowa was playing Michigan State, and uh, 
before I called a bootleg, and they had no timeouts left in like 20 seconds on the clock. And Long says to Fry, he says, Coach, what happens if I don't get in? He says, you're going to get in. Don't worry about it. He ran the bootleg and scored. So it's kind of <laughs> that. But, but, but Chuck just had, had a grasp on the whole time. Definitely. And his NFL career, uh, I I remember who did he play quarterback for? Did he play for the Lions? Lions. Yeah. Lions, yeah. Yes. Yep. And how, what kind of career did he have in the NFL? You know, again, playing for the Lions, that's... Yeah, he didn't play very long. He had a pretty short career. Yeah. Uh, things just didn't work out for him. You know, it's like, especially a quarter, quarterback spot, you know, if you get in the right system that, that suits your style, it can work. If you get in a system that really doesn't isn't conducive to the way you play, you can have a pretty short career, and, that, and that's what happened. Now, talking about Iowa basketball, I, I wonder which kind of years you were thinking. I, I'm, I, I don't. That's really hard to pinpoint. You know, the best years for Iowa basketball, but you hear the name Car- Carver. Hawkeye Arena, you talk about a place that's tough to win at, especially in certain years with high Iowa basketball, right? Right. Well, uh, Lute Olsen was was behind that arena being built. Iowa played in Iowa Fieldhouse, which was a great home court advantage, but it was an antiquated band box, so to speak, uh, metal bleachers, and, and it was loud in there. But Lute uh, knew they had to come into the modern age. <clears throat> he raised the money for Carver Hawkeye Arena. They built it. And uh, they opened it midway through, halfway through the season, and uh, it was gone to Arizona right after that. So oh, wow. he didn't stay; he didn't get to enjoy it very long. But uh, Iowa, Iowa had great history in the fifties. They had uh, they were a national uh, runner-up to San Francisco, Bill Russell, and those guys. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. 50, 56, and been the final four, final four in fifty-five. Uh, Lute Olson took uh, the 79-80 team with Ronnie Luster at point guard to the Final Four. I didn't even know that. Okay. Yeah, Iowa hasn't been back to the Final Four since uh, Tom Davis got Iowa to the Elite Eight in uh, his first season, the 86-86 oh, yeah, season. And uh, they had a 17-point lead on UNLV at halftime, and uh, the Rebs came from behind and beat them 84-81. To go to the final four, so uh, actually it was eighty-seven. So yeah, that's that's as close as they've been to the final four since. So what about was Alford coach there? Right? Am I correct? Yeah, he was. Yep he yeah. uh, he replaced Tom Davis. Tom Davis was the coach for thirteen years, and uh, people were bored with uh, just twenty-one seasons, and we always lose in the second round of the tournament. And, well. <laughs> Decided they wanted to go, uh, somebody to take them to the next step. Well, the next step was in, in the opposite direction because Steve Alford did a cut, did some good things, but then Todd Licklider came in. He was a, not a good fit, and that, that program hit rock bottom. And where are they today? Because you're right. That See, that's really interesting. So Tom Davis was a great coach. I mean, honestly, I consider anytime you get to the tournament every year, especially when you think of how tough the Big Ten is, that's when I thought of Carver Hawkeye Arena and saying, okay, I was always playing uh, their certain level. And just like Pitt, how we wanted to run uh, Jamie Dixon out, which I'm now now really seeing I was wrong uh, because uh, maybe there was it was time for him to go, but they should have kept the same system. Pitt has fallen to nothing, nothingness. So that so looking at specifically, Alford was supposed to be the guy, and then after he left, the program's never been what since. So when we think about Tom Davis, what would you think it made him such a good coach? Because you know, winning in at a, at a school like Iowa, that's not the the hotbed for college basketball, right? Especially when you're competing right. against Indiana, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and recruiting. I mean, right. yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, Tom Davis. A lot of a lot of his success was based on his style of play. He loved that up up tempo, fast break basketball. Right. And for uh, traditionalists who uh, who loved defense, he was not their kind of coach, boy, because they were trying to outscore people and uh, weren't known as a defensive team. But it was a very fun style to watch, and uh, he just had got athletes who liked to get up and down the floor and they could score points and tried to outscore you. Wow. Okay. Well, that that again. There's a lot more history uh, of a hundred things, Iowa, and I'm sure to 
to come up with that list, especially with those great fans. And uh, the rivalry between you and Iowa State definitely is in this book a lot. You dedicated the dominance that you, how you uh, won many games against Iowa State, which made lots of people happy between 83 and 97. So there's a, a lot of interesting stuff in the book. Where's the best place we can purchase the book and learn more about you? Where can we go? Well, uh, you can get it online at Amazon.com and Barnes and Noble. Uh, dot com has it also in stock. Uh, so just do a search on- online, and uh, it'll pop up. Well, it needs so to be in Pittsburgh. If you're an Iowa yeah, fan, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's. A, no, I'm sorry. If, it, if you're an Iowa fan, even if you don't live in Iowa, I think you would enjoy the book. So just just check it out online. Yeah. Ex- especially the whole Pittsburgh thing. It needs to be in Pittsburgh bookstores for that reason alone, right? Because, yeah, yeah come on now. The whole story of the Steelers and uh, all that. So uh, let's hope Iowa basketball comes back. And what is your expectations for next year's football season for Iowa? Do you think they're going to have a pretty te- good team? I mean, the, uh, there were probably high expectations that just didn't come to fruition this year. Do you think right. next year that they will come back to that? Yeah, I think, I, I think in the you mentioned basketball and that, the team is fourteen and ten going into a game in Minnesota tonight, but they start four freshmen, so they've got a pretty yeah. bright future. They're, they want some games. Football. It's going to be interesting because uh, Kurt Ferentz named his son Brian as the offensive coordinator recently, and they brought back their old offensive coordinator as quarterbacks coach Ken O'Keefe, who's with the Dolphins. Um, Send their son other positions to fill, but they've got a tremendous running back in Akamwande. A uh, top-notch linebacker, Josie Jewell, to lead both sides of the ball. They're going to have a brand-new quarterback. That'll be interesting. So uh, expectations are probably not as high as this season. But uh, the schedule is tougher, too. they got both Ohio State and Michigan on there. So uh, it'll be interesting. You know, I think seven, eight wins is probably what this team should expect. See, that's too bad, because, but you never know with how the cookie crumbles, uh, how everything falls for sure. Because look at this. Uh, look at Penn State and this amazing run they had, which I don't want to talk about because Pitt beat them. <laughs> yeah, you know that Pitt beat the two of the top five teams in the country. So let's go all the way, Pitt, right? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you know, and, uh, Penn State demolished Iowa. Yeah, in the Happy Valley, and a week later, Iowa knocked off number two Michigan back at Kinnick Stadium. So you never know. That's, that's you never know with college football, man. Exactly. All right, well, Rick, thanks for uh, chatting about all these uh, really uh, fun stories about Iowa Hawkeye sports, and I appreciate you calling. All right, Neil, enjoyed it. All right, take care, Rick. Take care, man. See ya. Okay, bye bye. You're listening to the Total Celebrity Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Total Celebrity Show. You can check me out on Twitter, at TotalTutor, and NeilHaley.com, and all those exciting places. And, oh, wow, a really interesting guest we have on the line, so I'm excited to welcome the program, again, premiering on January 28th. I'm excited to welcome the program actor Brandon T. Jackson of Lifetime's mo- movie. How are you? Love by the 10th date. Brandon, thanks for calling. How are you? Thank you for having me, man. I, I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited. The film, we got the film coming out, you know, this this weekend on the 28th. And you know, actually, I'm I'm very excited because it's definitely a film that I I endorse and I think is a dope film. I'm not just on these calls, just you know how actors be in the morning, just like yeah, watch the movie. I really like the movie. <laughs> For, for for sure, it's really good, man. Really good movie. for sure. And uh, and tell us about what Love by the Tenth Date again. A, a Lifetime has very very interesting types of movies that they have out, but this is a definitely a love story. But tell us about it. Yes. Well, it's definitely a love story, of course. We you know, but it's definitely you know have strong characters in the film. I think it's shot very. You know, I have to say it's shot very hip. It's very cool. You know. You got Kelly Rowland, Megan Good, Carrie Hilson. You know, it's very cool, man. It's a good movie that I think crosses all barriers and everything. And I think that you know it's a different, a different feel for Lifetime. And I think that's something that is that they're that they're doing well with. They're starting to take risks and do different movies with strong characters and and stories that are not just the cliche stories. So they're taking, you know, they're doing things that's 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 just you know, it's it's like. You know, we know we all have you know love and everything, but the definition that the, the the love story in our generation hasn't been done like like on a on a hip level, you know. And this is something I think that it's really um, a a hip situation that that's happening right now. And I think that it's a I think uh, Lifetime was actually very brave for doing something you know out of their ordinary uh, program. You know what I mean? 
Well, absolutely, Brandon. I think and that's, see, and that's the thing that they're looking at the audience and how to take certain things. And it's because of the original programming, Brandon, meaning other programming, not just original movies, but the other shows that are on now uh, on the network. I think that they're they're attracting a diff- more diversity of an audience on Lifetime. And that's why a show like a love story like this one is out is 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 a perfect ma- match match for a Lifetime, I think. Yeah, and, and and you know what it is? It's like it, it's it's a uh, it's how do you explain? Like this movie's not as cliche as he, like it's, as it sounds. Like Love by the Tenth Day, you know, it's more so about um, you know, it's just like it's just a different, it's a different type. It, it sounds cliche, but it's not. It's not the same film that we've seen before. It's definitely a different film, and that's one thing I like about it. And, I, and I'm able to play different characters. I'm, I'm normally the funny sidekick, the funny thing, and I'm good to kind of do something different and do something real romantic and. You know, uh, and still be able to be funny without it being over the top, you know? I hear you. Especially, you throw in your funny uh, little uh, jokes or uh, innuendos, but yet you're, you're, you're playing more of a serious character. So tell us about your character, and then I want to get into specifically more of the story. So tell us your character. Well, my character is like Dante. He's kind of a player up at first, and then you know he's uh, he's also looking for the same thing. Making good characters looking for his love, you know. It's like, you know, there, you know, but he's and he's not ready to settle down yet. So, if he's ready to settle down, then you know he will have a a you know if he find, if he finds the right one, he'll be ready, you know, kind of settle down or not just that. He has you have to be ready to settle down. Like you just can't settle down when you're not ready. So I think he's in between that. And the whole story is about, you know, Megan Good goes on Tim Date to, you know, find you know, find find love. You know what I mean? And see if she she's like a, a good girl that wants wants to, you know, find the right guy. So it's kinda like that, you know, but she really goes all out with the comedy. Uh, shout out to Megan Good. She does a great job going all out with the comedy and everything. So I just I'm very proud of her that she's able to step out like a Lucille Ball. And do something where it's like it's kind of when you see it, you'll know what I mean. It's very you know out out there, and for having these strong characters, female characters on film right now, it's very cool to to watch them kind of you know have fun and play. There's no competition on set. All the men got along, all the women got along. So that was a good deal because you know some sets people don't get along, and this one it was it was real real romantic and loved it. That's- Believe it or not. So, yeah. So, and I think Brandon, what we see is specifically that so many people are not doing the dating scene. They're they're either choosing or settling in, in certain ways. And Megan's character is going through looking for s- special qualities of a guy. What would you say that yeah. uh, that Megan was looking for in this story? What what was she ultimately looking for while she was dating well, these I different guys? That, yeah. The- the right guy that that you know fits her, you know. Love isn't one size fits all. Like in other words, you know, you might you might like you might you know some woman might like a guy that does this or does this, and some some men might like a woman that does this. So it's like you know you have to understand that it's very um, it's very hard to uh, define love in, in, from from each individual. People like different things. And people like, uh, you know, people like, uh, you know, what they like. Like for me, you know, I like a funny girl who's, 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 you know, you know, who has personality that's not shallow. I like, the, I like earthy girls. I like, you know, what I, mean? I like that type of feel. So like that's my, you know, I'm like something with some substance. Everyone has their own thing. So I feel like that's what Megan Good is kind of search out in her character. You know, the right one that fits her. And to find love, right, Brandon? Not choosing because of money, not choosing because of looks, but finding the the total package that they're best friends. And, you know, with all these Match.com and all these different types of things, and people don't even go to the bar scene anymore, you know, and, uh, and, they're, and they're just Snapchatting or doing whatever, finding that relationship. And that's what it sounds like that 10th date is. I'm going to find this right guy, and then I, I'm, I'm not going to yeah. be choosy in this process. And it sounds like Brandon, you have that same mindset when it comes to women. Am I correct? Yeah, I do definitely. I I I, I can't date someone that shallow. I like I like I like smart, 
you know, I like, I like they got to be smart. You know what I mean? As much as I hate when they, when they, when, they, when I'm getting corrected, <laughs> but it, you know, I, it, it, it's what I need because I, I need somebody to stimulate me mentally too. I just can't sit up and just look at a cute girl all day. I, I just can't do that. <laughs> so, I, I, yeah, I'm less shallow on that end. But I mean, you can, you can have both though. You can have a beautiful woman that's smart, intelligent, loves life, loves God, and you know, keep keep rocking out. That's how I, you know, that's how I'm on. So. It's all good. All right. So, again, January 28th, 10 p.m. Eastern uh, on Lifetime. Brandon, is there a place we can find information on you and follow you and stuff like that uh, to learn more what you're doing and all that stuff for your other projects? I need y'all to follow me on on Instagram, at Brandon T. Jackson. It's my my name, Brandon T. Jackson. Follow me on Instagram. Look me up. It's the one with the blue check, not all the other ones. Make sure y'all get the (laughs) one with the blue check on because I got a lot of fake pages. Hey, and that, that's how you that's how you get verified, right? Being a celebrity and also a lot of people make fake pages. So I understand, Brendan. Well, thanks for calling, man, and best of luck with the movie on Saturday and enjoy and uh hope to chat again. Take care, man. Thank right. you very much. Thank you. See you. Bye bye. You're listening to Total Celebrity Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi everyone, and welcome to the Total Spotlight Show. You can check me out on Twitter at Total Tutor and NeilHaley.com. So I'm excited to welcome the program author Jesse Temple, author of A Hundred Things Wisconsin Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. Jesse, thanks for calling. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me on, Neil. So let's kind of delve into my favorite moments in Wisconsin sports. You'd say. Really? A Pittsburgh guy? No, I'm a huge college sports fan, and I'm going to look at, specifically enough, the rise of Wisconsin basketball and the the, the ability, as you talked about, when you covered those final fours. Now, tell me how that kind of the switch went on, that Wisconsin started competing for uh, national championships at that time period, especially when there's a lot of good college basketball teams. Between two different coaches to the third coach now – how Wisconsin kind of snuck up with on people, didn't they? Well, for the longest time, the football and the men's basketball programs weren't very good and fans didn't have much to cheer about. And the NCAA tournament was kind of viewed as the holy grail if Wisconsin could just make it into the big dance. And, and Stu Jackson uh, was here in the, the mid-90s, early 90s, um, kind of helped to start this turnaround. They finally made the NCAA tournament after 47 years. Um, and then Dick Bennett kind of continued that tradition. He helped his team make a magical Final Four run in 2000, and then, of course, Bo Ryan took over, uh, had a ton of success at the D3 level, spent a couple years at uh, UW-Milwaukee, and then uh, finally made it to Madison as head coach. And, uh, boy, he, I mean, he was obviously a very special coach, uh, coach and helped, helped this program reach new heights, and it kind of culminated with those two Final Four runs. Wisconsin was always very good, always played sound basketball, but finally they had the players that were – among the best in the country, Frank Kaminsky was a national player of the year. Uh, Sam Decker, obviously another first-round pick. And you had guys like Nigel Hayes and Bronson Koenig, young guys who came in, Josh Gosser and Trey Jackson. So it all came together um, and really just formed one of the most special seasons that Wisconsin has ever had. Now, Dick Bennett, so when Dick Bennett left, and I'm sure this is in the book, how, I mean, finding Bo Ryan with such great success in the D3 level, and then going and saying, okay, we're going to plug him in with the same idea. Did Dick have anything to do with the successor? Because you'd think it would be someone off his bench. No, I, I mean, you know, Bo had a long, long history of being in Wisconsin. Everybody around here knew who he was. He first came to Wisconsin in the 70s. So, you know, I think for him this was kind of his dream job. And, of course, he spent so many years at UW-Platteville winning national championships and then went to UW-Milwaukee because he wanted to be a Division One coach. So after two years at Milwaukee when the job opened up, um, I mean, Bo was the perfect guy and everything. I guess the stars aligned, uh, you could say. Um, so I, I think it had more to do with Bo's success within the state uh, and him knowing, you know, this was the job that he always wanted. And, you know, the, there's this idea at Wisconsin that you want a coach uh, who wants this to be a destination job, and that's what it was for Bo. And, of course, it worked out for all sides. Absolutely, and we'll talk about uh, the um, more of the book is uh, those two. Those two are probably the bit most famed in the book, right, ranking-wise, that you put in the 100 things were both those coaches I just mentioned, correct? 
for basketball. No, well, I mean, Barry, Barry Alvarez is, is actually chapter one, uh, and rightfully so. And I should mention that Barry was kind enough to write the foreword for this book. I mean, more of the chapters focus on football. I'd say at least 40 on uh, at least 30 are about basketball. But but Barry is the reason that the the program is yeah. where it is, the, the athletic department as a whole. I mean, of course, a lot of people know the story, but when he came here in the early 90s, they were $2.1 million in debt. They had bad programs. Barry immediately said he was going to turn this program around and kind of raise some eyebrows, but four years later they won the Rose Bowl and kind of the rest is history. The football team's been a top 25 program pretty much ever since. Barry's been the athletics director for more than a decade and helped turn things around. So, you know, Barry Alvarez is extremely important. Bob Johnson, uh, the famed uh, hockey coach, Pat Richter, Ron Dane. I mean, those are some of the names that are in the first ten chapters uh, in addition to guys like Bo Ryan. Gotcha. Okay, I guess I'm the basketball fan. Going, I was going uh, in different directions, but you're right with Barry Alvarez. Not just the ability to win as a football coach, but as an athletic director. How long? So, how many years did he coach? And I'm sure that's in the chapter. And step down to become the AD. Did that change? Did that help the basketball program? In your opinion, him now looking at other sports, not just the control of how he was able to bring resurrect the football program. Yeah, well, I mean, Barry was here from 1990 to 2005. He left as the winningest coach in program history, and he had taken over as athletics director in 2004, which is a position he continues to hold. I mean, certainly uh, having a football team win games and make money for the athletics department helps everyone. I mean, it can help fund other um, venues. The Kohl Center, for example, is, uh, is, a, is a newer venue um, at Wisconsin, but um, I, I think that is kind of the, the spark that got everything going. Now, you need the right coaches in place in every sport. Uh, just because Barry is successful in football doesn't mean the basketball team's automatically going to win games, but I, I think he was uh, the spark that ignited um, kind of what's been a magical run here the last 25 or so years. Wisconsin has been nationally relevant in football and men's basketball almost every year, and you can't say that about very many programs across the country. No, both together, and that's the impressive part that you see. You're right, football and basketball, national-type powerhouse. I don't want to talk about what happened to my pit basketball team, but they've fallen apart. If I was – I I, 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 no wonder the AD already cut and loose. He knew this was going to be a a tremendous, awful situation. So then you got pit program used to have, you know, almost similar. But Wisconsin, you're right, top five, final four, Rose Bowl – possibilities of national championships with both programs how many other schools can we talk about like that we could say michigan at times but not really uh but the consistency yeah. so the, the, the that's again uh, a testament to alvarez and just again the pro the, the whole university and president saying we want to win and we want to do well so that's yeah, yeah. i'm sure big thing yeah yeah, you're absolutely right. You you can probably count on one hand the programs that every year are top 25 or, or top 10 in, in in both sports. You know, for years it's been Michigan State, Michigan State's basketball program not having the greatest year. But it, it is interesting because sometimes there are these perennial powerhouses in basketball that aren't very good in football. I think of Kansas, which is where I grew up. Um, North Carolina has a you know solid football team, but the basketball team is what you think of. The same with Kentucky. I think UCLA now is pretty solid in both areas, but. Very select few uh, that are that are good in both, and and just look at this year as a kind of a microcosm of the last 25 years for Wisconsin. The Badgers were in the national title discussion until nearly the end, won the Big Ten West, played in a New Year's Six bowl game, and the basketball program right now top 15, uh, rolling toward a potential Big Ten championship in basketball and, and a high seed in the NCAA tournament. So um, this has uh, been a special run, and I'm sure for fans who are around for the lean years. Uh, they can particularly appreciate what's gone on. I think for maybe the younger generation, this has become the expectation. But, uh, you know, success breeds success, and that's how it is. So we got that completely down. Let's go to one of the history. How did the mascot come about the Badger? Is it because of the state, or how, like, do you have a story in your book about that? Yeah, I do. Um, So... The man responsible for – there used to be an actual badger that – I mean, I, I guess this is more about the mascot, but um, uh, there used to be an actual badger that ran onto the field, but because it was an animal, sometimes it would burrow in the corner and didn't provide much spirit for the university. And um, there, there was a guy named Bill Soxie, and, and he wore a costume um, back in 1949, I think, that pumped up Wisconsin's crowd at sporting events. Um, and initially it was made out of, like, paper mache um, 
that that was designed for him. And uh, so, but but the nickname itself um, dates back to way back into the 1820s. Wisconsin was named the Badger State um, because there was an association of lead miners here way back then, almost 200 years ago, that lived. They were said to have lived like badgers in tunnels burrowed in, into hillsides in the winter. So um, the badger was Wisconsin's official mascot, I guess, since the inception of intercollegiate football back in 1889. So even before there was, a, like, an official mascot um, or, or an official animal that was on the sideline, they were known as the badgers. But, that, you know, the mascot itself kind of came into fruition in, in the mid-20th century, uh, and it's it's been here ever, ever since. And actually, there's kind of an interesting story that um, in 1973, there was an assistant attorney general. His name was Howard Koop. Um, and he suggested that Bucky be replaced by Henrietta Holstein, which was a, a a cow. It was like a lovable, productive cow in the state. And he said that kids loved cows and that a generation could grow up supporting the university and Henrietta Holstein. And that got shot down immediately. So instead of Wisconsin being the cows, uh, they remain the Badgers to this day. So that's a little bit of the history behind how Wisconsin became known as the Badgers and, and how Bucky Badger um, came about as well. That's 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 a that's an awesome story. And then so you talk about other sports as well, uh, not just basketball and football and those hundred things, right? That's sometimes yeah, those yeah, hundred hockey, things do not do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a, there's some chapters on men's hockey, and I mentioned Bob Johnson, the legendary hockey coach, uh, who who kind of helped kickstart this program um, back in the '60s, um, and of course. You know, his son, Mark Johnson, is now the women's coach, was very successful with the men's program as well. And there's some chapters on women's hockey um, and, and other, I guess, key moments or figures in other sports, Lee Kemp in wrestling, um, Donna Shalala, who was, um, you know, president of the school back in the early 90s. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's mostly football and men's basketball, um, but there are things about women's volleyball and, and, and other important moments in those sports as well. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, as I say in the book, he remains the only coach to have won an NCAA and an NHL championship. So, I mean, there's a reason that he was a Hall of Famer and, of course, as you mentioned, was named Badger Bob, won a Stanley Cup title um, in what ultimately turned out to be his, his last season with the Penguins. But uh, just a beloved figure in Madison, won, you know, so many national titles for the Badgers and, and as I said, helped this program become what it is. Um, because they kind of tried to restart the hockey program in the 60s, and, and after three years or so, Bob Johnson joined the program, and he won 367 games in 15 seasons. All right, Jesse, best place we can find info, we can purchase this at triumphbooks.com. You have a website, uh, social media-wise, people can check you out and stuff. Where can we go? Yeah, well, if you're interested in the book, you can just Google it, really. A hundred things Wisconsin fans should know and do before they die. But it's available on Amazon right now, other online outlets, Triumph Books, as you said, and local bookstores around the state of Wisconsin. So if you're interested, uh, there should be a place for you to find it. All right, well, fantastic. You're, thanks for taking the time. You're busy as can be. All right, thanks, Jesse. Take care. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Total Celebrity Show. You can check me out on Twitter at TotalTitterNeilHaley.com. And I'm excited to welcome the program, New York Times best-selling author Matt Taibbi. Matt, thanks for calling. How are you? And you know what? Uh, today is a day for, uh, we're talking about your book, Insane Clown President, and uh, it's a day that y- you think is insanities happen, right? For sure, with Donald <laughs> Trump. Yeah. So uh, the moment is here. So what made you want to do this? Again, you write for the Rolling Stone. You see this specific thing. You understand lots of crazy people you've interviewed in your life, I know for a fact, uh, especially writing for the Rolling Stone, that you, you that made you really jump on this story. So writing for covering the campaign trail for Rolling Stone is um, a kind of an unusual job. It's, uh, it's sort of an iconic position that gets passed down from generation to generation because we have this tradition going back to Hunter Thompson and um, uh, back in the early 70s when he was writing about Richard Nixon uh, he wrote and which his stories ended up becoming compiled in a book called Fear and Loathing and on the campaign trail 1972 which is kind of a, a classic and um, you know what really made that book work was Hunter Thompson was completely obsessed with with Richard Nixon, who he, whom he he ballooned up into this incredible, engrossing villainous character, and right. I, I've been doing this for four campaigns now, and I can't say that any of the characters that I've ever written about 
um, have ever been as interesting uh, or as multi-sided as Donald Trump is. I think this is this is the first time that um, there was a, a subject that was kind of worthy of the same attention that that Hunter Hunter Thompson gave to Richard Nixon. And Matt, as a journalist, I don't always like to put my opinion on things, but I'm going to put it in, in terms of Donald Trump speaks to people, whatever audience he's in front of, he tries to please. It's from the days of the celebrity apprentice to the person he is, and yet he'll do something completely different. So when you cover him, you're like, okay, he's in this direction, then he'll flip-flop. He's a, per- he's a perfect politician in so many ways, Matt, in a way that yeah, you know, he says something. Yeah, yeah, no, you're you're exactly right, and I, I think that's an insight. It's amazing, you know, you, you have this insight, but I th- I think it, that very insight eluded a lot of a lot of the sort of cream of the political uh, of the crop political reporters because they didn't really understand what he was doing. I totally agree with you, Donald Trump. To me, he's a he's a gluttonous personality. He like he does everything to excess. He likes to eat to excess. He likes women. He likes parties. He likes hanging out with celebrities. He likes being famous, but he also consumes political positions uh and he he swallows up every every position you can possibly have on every issue because he likes the sensation of people responding uh to him when when he's when he espouses a position so when he's around liberals he'll say he's pro-choice when he's around other people he'll say people who want abortion should be punished um and that's it's not because he has any particular ideology it's just the way he's he's wired that way and um, it's really, it was really incredibly interesting to watch because he definitely morphed as a candidate uh, in this almost chameleonic way, depending on who his audience was. Right, and in, and you're going to see the same thing happen, and it's going to make the Republicans frustrated with him uh, very soon as well, especially the fiscal conservatives, meaning the ones that are the Tea Partiers, and like they're not going to find out what you're, you're going to get is Bush on severe steroids. And that's oh, it. Yeah, all Trump wants, yeah, all Trump wants to do is make money, okay, and have popularity. So he'll play to the liberal base just to have celebrities come over, like he has his own celebrity apprentice in the White House. Could you imagine the number of celebrities that are going to come, Matt, that finally will, because he'll try to talk them into something just to get a photo op or just to feel special again? Absolutely. Yeah, you completely you, – you've got your finger right on it because – that's what Trump is all about. He's he's about attention, and I think to a, a slightly lesser extent, he's about making money. But but the most important thing for him is, is fame, attention, adulation, yeah. and you know, in terms of being his his fiscal attitudes. Remember, as president, he's not spending his own money. He's going to be spending somebody else's money, and he's always been very very adept at that. If you look at his history of spending money that he's gotten on loan. He's bankrupted four yeah. times. He, he he doesn't really care if it's not his money. It's not that's not really terribly interesting to him. So he's going to try to do things. He may very well try to build that wall, and it may very well cost us, you know, a tenth of what the military budget costs us. Who knows? But he won't care. And what what he will care about though is getting headlines and getting and, and being able to take credit for things and photo ops. And that's that's my guess is that he's going to. He's going to try to find a way to make the presidency, which is otherwise kind of a drag of a job. He wants to make it fun for himself because that's who he is. So, Matt, in your opinion, again, everyone needs to pick up Insane Clown President. You look at it like – I bet you're a fan of the Insane Clown Posse. I'm thinking of the topic. Maybe I'm wrong, but it sounds like you could be <laughs> that kind of person that likes that, that basically he is a, he is a sideshow so, sh- freak. And that he literally wants to get press regardless of whatever. And for the next four years or eight years, you're going to see the craziest things happen every day for the press. And it's going to be great. That's pretty much. Yeah, no, I, yeah I, I think I think that's that's right. Um, you know, one, one of the points that I'm, I try to make in the book is, is that even before Donald Trump came came on the scene, before he even thought about running for president, the campaign trail and political reporting had really devolved into what was basically a television show. It was just a long reality show. Um, And it makes money for all the networks, and and that's what it does. Trump's innovation was to to understand that it was a bad television show. I mean, if you're you're trying to run a a reality show and the stars of the show are Scott Walker and Lindsey Graham, then you have a crappy television show. Trump made it an interesting television show. Whatever you think about him, you know the 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 dramas were engrossing because he created controversies and he said outrageous things, 
and he generated an enormous amount of attention. And I think that's just in his DNA is to is to create reality show drama. You know, I think that's that's who he is. And as president, just think think of the things that he can do as president to get the news media buzzing and, and going crazy. I mean, the the possibilities are both horrifying and 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 uh, breathtaking to think about. It'll change the game for sure. You can pick up your book, any finer bookstore, and follow you on Twitter at what? What's the best place to follow you on Twitter, Matt, you think? At, at M-T-A-I-B-B-I, so it's M-T-A-I-B-B-I. And- it's history is make is here, but guess what? For the media, it's going to be great for you, even though it's going to be horrible for the country. So good talking <laughs> to you, Matt. Take care. Matt. All right. Matt. Thanks so much, Neil. You're listening to the Total Celebrity Show. We'll be back. In- Live from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the Total Education Show, the talk shop for teachers, parents, and administrators. Here's your host of the show, Neil Haley, the Total Tutor. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.